Welcome to Locked On Flames. Coming up today, we take a look into the Flames' final intra-squad scrimmage, hand out our winners and losers of the week, and take a look at the goalie the Flames will be going up against next week against the Winnipeg Jets. I'm Jess Belmosto alongside Sean Lavery. Be sure to subscribe and follow Locked On Flames for free wherever you get your podcasts. There'll be, or, <laughs> there'll be new episodes daily, and you will get them as soon as they come out. Sean, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Jess. A, a good Friday, a nice Friday here in Calgary. Um, I finally got to watch sports for real this time. No more inter-squad scrimmages <laughs> for me, at least uh, away from hockey, as I got to see my Blue Jays finally play. Um, they're in Tampa right now, and it was, you know, it was a neat little thing for me to see a, a game played with no fans. It was something I was anticipating back in March when the coronavirus was at its, I guess, you know, kind of peak where sports was still yeah. going on. We weren't sure if things should be canceled or not. Um, and I was, you know, back then, I think it was a Warriors game in the NBA that was supposed to be played uh, the night everything was canceled with no fans. Um, yeah. So I was intrigued then of what it was going to look like. And I never ended up got, getting to see it until now at the end of July. Um, now the baseball is back and, you know, it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. Um, it certainly wasn't, I guess, like jarring in any way. It was, you know, more just like you, you kind of realize the fans aren't there and then um, a like few that. minutes go by and you just focus on the game. You, you kind of block out, I guess, the surroundings. So um, it has me excited for hockey and the flames to be back because um, I think it'll be a, a, an adjustment for all hockey fans, at least for the first couple minutes. But, um, you know, I, I definitely have a lot of hope now that after that first couple minutes, everything will kind of be normal in terms of just the hockey thing where we can just watch the game, enjoy the game, and then have our nice fun sports debates after that. Uh, meanwhile, outside the stadium, the world's burning and everything's on fire. So, <laughs> right. like, you know, nice I guess everything, it's, it's interesting. So yeah, nice distraction. Yeah. And I didn't think of this until just now, but I feel like every playoff series in any sport, really, the microphones are so sensitive or they're just placed over the one most obnoxious fan mm-hmm. in the entire arena. And we're not going to have to worry about that this playoff. This is a fantastic point. You know, the glass banging that we always hear? Yes. There's always one guy at every corner of the rink who's banging on the glass. That will no, be no longer. Oh. And I think that's the best part I think of having that, yeah. no fans. That's a great point, Jess. I love it. And, you know, everyone kind of would love to hear the players a little bit more, too. And I think we'll get mm-hmm. the chance to do so. Uh, but you bring up a great point. I haven't thought about not having fans and what that kind of gains. Yeah. We don't, you know, we lose some stuff and sure we lose the atmosphere, but we also gain um, getting rid of the small annoyances. Of yeah, life. So that'll be nice. Good peace point. and quiet. <laughs> but um, so I was at work all day today and I did not get to see any of the flame scrimmage, mm-hmm. but I did find out that there was no Lindholm, even though he was a full participant yesterday. Right. So what's going on there? Do we have any? Well, I have at the moment of this recording right now, uh, nothing on this front. <laughs> it's probably, you know, I think this is going to be my answer to anything you ask me about NHL injuries. I probably have nothing because, yeah. you know, all coaches and teams are giving us right now is that a player is unfit to play. And, you know, that's fine. I guess, you know, you never know what's going on. But um, in, in the case of Lindholm specifically, you're right. It is bizarre because he was a full participant at practice yesterday. And then the day before that, he was explaining to reporters that when he did leave the flame second scrimmage, it was no big deal. They were just playing it safe, which is totally cool. 
you obviously want everyone to be playing it safe before the playoffs, especially when you're just kind of in practice mode. Um, so the fact that he was a, a participant and kind of nonchalant with the media, um, it does raise at least a few red flags for me that the fact that he missed scrimmage today. Yeah. And I mean, like you said, it's pretty vague as if it wasn't vague enough before. Right. Um, so we don't know if this is related to the injury from earlier this week. It wasn't even really an injury, but why he left earlier um, this week and didn't return in that scrimmage. Right. Or maybe he had a fever when he showed up to yeah. the arena today and they said, yeah. bye, turn around. Yeah, I mean, these are the things we're probably never going to have answers to. Um, at the moment, for now at least, I'm not too worried about Lindholm at all. I think he'll be good to go against the Jets. Where my tune would change on that is if he misses the exhibition game against the Oilers on Tuesday. If Lindholm's not in that lineup, um, I think there's a strong chance something um, is really going on that we should be worried about, whether it be COVID-19 related or, you know, just a simple, or anything I guess, yeah. quote-unquote typical hockey injury, right? So. Um, it's very important, I think, for everyone to get that little... If you're going to play against the Jets, I think it's important you play against the Oilers um, just to really get that feel for, you know, a hockey NHL game yeah. being back, right? So if Lindholm's not there against the Oilers, you know, the the conversation, I think, gets a lot more uh, serious and concerning for the Flames um, on the ice. And, and hopefully it doesn't get too concerning off the ice, but definitely on the ice, yes. uh, there would be a big issue. Fingers crossed there. And... You know, I am looking at the notes right now, and Gaudreau had two goals, which is right. very great to see. Um, you know, obviously it is just a scrimmage against your own team, but it still shows you that, um, you know, there's some offensive production from Johnny Hockey. Well, it's like the Riddick thing. When Riddick let in five goals earlier this week, mm-hmm. you know, we said, oh, my, like, that's a little concerning, you know, but we also added the caveat of it's just a scrimmage, so we're not, like, worried about it. It's, you know, it goes the same way for positive news as well. Um, Goudreau scores two goals. You know, it's great to see. It's awesome. Um, but it is just a little scrimmage, right? So right. Um, we're definitely, we'll take it. We're happy with it. We would have been happy if Riddick had a shutout uh, two games ago or whatever it may ended up being. But, um, you know, everything, I guess, for now is neutral. And we can start, I guess, making harsher judgment on uh, on Tuesday after, on Tuesday night after the Oilers game or Wednesday morning. Um, so we have a lot of questions around Lindholm. I guess question, questions still remain around Goudreau because, sure, he scored two goals in the scrimmage, but who cares? What's he going to do in the playoffs? <laughs> right. Questions also remain with the goaltending situation because it was a 3 nothing win for Team White, and neither Talbot nor Riddick played for Team White, so neither of them got, I guess, contributed to the effort of the shutout. Um, so after game number three of the Flames' inter-squad schedule, we are still as unclear as we were earlier in camp about what they're going to do um, with the goaltending situation. And I really don't think that that's a bad thing because we have a little over a week mm-hmm. until uh, the Jets, the first game. And, um, you know, that it, there's still time to make decisions and there's no need to make harsh decisions and, I don't want to say ill-informed, but, you know, there's no need to jump the gun on this one. We still have some time. I'm interested to see how the game against Edmonton will go and how they are – what they're going to do. Who's going between the pipes on that one? Right. 
That's definitely a good point because they have a lot of options into what they can do with the game against the Oilers. You know, if one guy, if it's Riddick, let's say, plays the whole game against the Oilers, I think it's pretty safe to say Riddick's going to start against the Jets or, you know, if it's Talbot, vice versa. Uh, they could also, you know, give one guy two periods of play and give the other guy one period of play. They could split it 50. Like, they have so many options as to what they can do. I guess the one caution I would put out is, you know, yes, you do have a lot of options against the Oilers, but if you're going to, let's say, split it 50-50 down the middle – um, with Talbot and Riddick in the playing time against the Oilers, does that mean you're going to base your decision entirely on that performance? I think that would be an unwise thing to do. You don't want to base it, uh, your goaltending decision on one exhibition game after four months off right before the playoffs, right? So right. Um, while they do have a lot of options on Tuesday night, I think um, there's a strong chance that Tuesday night is really telling as to what their plans are. Because I mm. think the smart thing would be to hopefully have your decision made at least by, you know, the end of the weekend here. And then regardless of what the decision is, give that guy Talbot or Riddick the full start against the Oilers, the full 60 minutes. Um, Cause I think that might be the best case scenario. Absolutely. And I think that it is going, that the decision is going to be based off of what we saw before the pause as well. Yes. I yes. Really I think do. that's, yeah, that's a big piece of it. And I think, you know, also too, Jess is, whatever the decision ends up being, if it's Talbot or Riddick, it doesn't really matter. I think there's a strong chance that um, they don't remain tied to that decision for the whole right. series, you know, barring um, the series going perfectly for the Flames and, you know, they they sweep or they win the series 3-1 and, and Talbot or Riddick, whoever they end up choosing, plays really well. Um, yeah, then sure, you're tied to it. But if you do end up struggling, um, you can switch out either guy. And, you know, maybe you're struggling with the players, like defensively up front in mm-hmm. front of the goalies, and you just need to wake them up and switch the goalies. Or maybe it is, you know, a goaltending struggle and you need to get the cold guy out of there and hopefully uh, relieve him with a hotter guy. So, you know, while they do have a big decision to make for who they should start against game one, um, they don't necessarily have to be tied to it. It would be nice if they could be tied to it because that would obviously mean things are going well or at least half decent. Yeah. Um, but they don't end up ultimately having to be tied to it. And I think that it's important for fans to remember that <laughs> the defense also plays a part in um, you know, defending the net <laughs> and it's not just all on the goalie. Right. So hopefully that's a cohesive unit for game one as well. Yeah. Well, it's going to be hard for both the defensive unit and the goalies. Like we haven't talked a lot of jets um, on this podcast yet because we do have a great um, preview uh, series of episodes coming out with Harrison Lee from locked on jets. We've kind of been saving all our good stuff for that. But the Jets do have, I think it was four guys with 70 points uh, in this regular season, whereas the Flames had one guy with 60, and he had 61, and it was Matthew Kachuk. So um, the Jets do have quite a bit of skill. So it'll be a tall task, obviously, for that defensive unit, which you mentioned, um, and they're definitely crucial, as you mentioned, um, but it will be a tall task. And speaking of Kachuk, you know, he did tell – reporters today that he's sick of losing Mm -hmm. and the exact quote is i'm sick of losing i'm sick of losing in the first round it's time for us to prove we're an elite team so i think people would take the flames a lot more seriously if they beat a team like the jets that would be a big statement because you know beating the jets is not like beating the coyotes who we had a bit of fun with yesterday you know if if the flames had the coyotes in, in the qualifying round you know, if they if they lost, it would obviously be very embarrassing. But if they won, I think we would still have a lot of question marks going into that ultimate first round series. Absolutely. Whereas I think if the Flames beat the Jets here in the qualifying round, 
um, regardless of who they face in that first round series, you know, there's, there's probably obviously going to be questions still, but you know, we're going to have a lot more confidence, I would say yeah. as observers of the flames, um, having beaten the jets as opposed to maybe another team they could have ended up playing. So you like Kachuk and you like Lucic to say these kind of things about being sick of losing. It's, you know, they're obvious statements to make, uh, but they're definitely things that need to be said after their, that first round series against the avalanche last year. Definitely. And still to come, Sean and I recap the week that was as we hand out our winners and losers of the week. Locked on Flames continues as we are one day closer to NHL playoff hockey being played. Don't forget to subscribe to our show's show's Twitter feed at LO underscore Flames. So, Sean, you came up with this awesome little segment um, for winners and losers of the week and also a nice little shout out at the end um so sean why don't you start us off with your winner sure and my winner is going to be milan lucic um jess you and i didn't have the chance to talk during the regular season and i think for yourself as a bruins fan you probably would have you should be thankful for this because i like me and my friends and i we have a little group chat going about the flames I spent the whole winter and fall just complaining about Milan Lucic. I was not a fan of the move when they made the move to acquire him. I was not a fan of the way he was playing this season. But this training camp, and, you know, it is the caveat of it is training camp there when we play in inter-squad scrimmages. We can't, you know, read a whole lot into it. But I think this training camp, he at least gave me some hope that he's going to bring that veteran presence and that experience that he has with the Bruins from winning a Stanley Cup where he played such a big role. He's going to bring that to the Flames locker room this time around. Um, at least this training camp, he, for, he provided me with some hope that he can do that. Um, so he made up a lot of ground in my personal books. So my winner is going to be Milan Lucic for making up some big ground in uh, training camp 2.0. Who's your winner, Jess? Um, you know, I'm going to piggyback off of you and say Lucic as well, because, you know, he did have, what was it, two goals in like 80-something games when he was with the Oilers. And it's just kind of like, you know, when that move was made, when, you know, when the Flames acquired him, it was just kind of like, is this a joke? Yeah. Like, please tell me this is a joke. Like, I'm not seeing this. This was an accidental tweet that Bob McKenzie sent out. Like, no. And he did. So the Flames were five and one in regular season games where he scored. So Mm -hmm. I, you know. I'm not saying that they could win the series if he scores, but based on that small sample size and my superstitions, I think it's good. Yeah, <laughs> the chances would certainly be a lot better. And, you know, it's it's kind of unfair to Lucic in a way where, you know, when, when the season first started and he was really struggling and definitely mm-hmm. in the goal column, you know, James Neal on the opposite end in Edmonton was just putting up big numbers. So. Yeah. Obviously, things, as they tend to do, regress to the norm. Lucic caught up a bit and had a really hot run there in the middle. Uh, James Neal kind of fell a bit, and, you know, things evened out. But in that <laughs> first few months, it was just so lopsided. It and, so you know, It's bad. unfair to Lucic at the time. But um, regardless, I, I, you know, I wasn't a fan of the move. I probably still am not. But um, like I said, this training camp, he's, he's definitely given me the hope that he's going to bring that better in presence um, and that cup-winning presence that the Flames yeah. so desperately need in their locker room. Uh, so since I started out with the winner, Jess, how about you take the loser first? You know, I'm, I don't know, because I feel like it was a good week in camp. Mm-hmm. And I haven't, like, I hadn't really put much thought into it 
because, you know, I'm trying to like focus on the positive and look at, you know, who is doing what they should be. But I mean, maybe it is the top line, you know, the Gaudreau mm-hmm. line, because, mm-hmm. you know, without Lindholm, like you're not reestablishing that chemistry right? that you might need. So I'm just going to go with that. Yeah, it's, you know, like when we say the loser category, um, it's definitely fair to name the top line. And I guess we could add, I don't know if you want to do this, but you could add the caveat of, you know, hey, it's not their fault. Like, right. know, sure, like say the, the Edmonton Oilers, uh, they lose Carter McDavid to a knee injury for a few months. Um, they could be a loser of the week. You know, it's not really their fault. That's just more bad luck. Right. Um, so I definitely see where you're coming from here on the top line end of things. What, yeah, um, what about you? I'm going to go with David Riddick. Um, I'm going to throw it back to our first episode where um, I proclaimed that Riddick's going to start game one. um, And that was my feeling going into camp prior to camp started. But, you know, I didn't give Cam Talbot enough credit when we recorded our first episode. That's 100% true. I should have given him more credit, more consideration. Um, But Talbot's done a really good job of at least, you know, bringing this into the big spotlight. Everyone's talking about it in Calgary and online and on Twitter. Who are the Flames going to start in game one? Um, so Riddick, I guess, in my opinion, he had the hold on on the game one start, like I said in game, in, mm-hmm. sorry, in episode one that you and I had together. Um, but he hasn't, I don't think he's done himself really any favors no. in camp per se. Um, there's, it's still a 50-50 shot of if it's going to be Talbot or Riddick. Um, it's not like Talbot's the heavy hand favorite right now. Um, but I don't think Riddick kind of helped himself out too much at all this camp. So for those reasons, uh, he's going to be my loser. And hopefully he does have a chance to redeem himself, whether it yeah. be game one or the scrimmage against um, Edmonton. So for the fun little addition to this segment, we're going to focus, we're just going to give a little shout out. So I want to just, you know, say thank you to everybody that's working behind the scenes. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people who, are making sure that things are clean, things are, um, you know, the players are safe and getting their temperature taken and whoever's administering those COVID tests, bless your hearts. Mm -hmm. And I hope all's well. What about you, Sean? That's a great shout out, Jess. I'm definitely on board with you there. Um, I guess I have to give two shout outs. First shout out goes to Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050 in Toronto. Um, That is where this segment idea was generated. We did, back when I was working there, we did winners and losers of the weekend. So we did that every Monday, looking back on the weekend that was for the Leafs. So we're going to adopt that segment show, or sorry, that segment, Jess, into this show and do uh, winners and losers of the week on a Friday, looking back on the week that was. So a like um, little shout out to them as we adopt their segment. Um, we love everyone there, or at least I do, because those are my <laughs> great coworkers. Uh, but for my actual shout out for this segment, which I hope we get to do for a while, if the Flames yeah. lose to the Jets, this segment might not last very long, but if they win, we can hopefully go for at least a few more weeks. Yeah. Uh, my shout out is going to go, and this is a fun one. It's for Flames assistant GM Craig Conroy. Um, he put on his skates and helmet that he had back from his glory days in the early 2000s, and he was the referee for all of these intra-squad scrimmages that the Flames had. And I think that would be a lot of fun for all the guys, especially someone like Mark Giordano, um, yeah. who's on the, who would have, you know, obviously remembered Craig Conroy a lot more than uh, the younger guys would have. Um, I think the the team and the group had a lot of fun with seeing Craig Conroy uh, being a referee, and I'm sure there's a hundred percent chance that he did not um, kind of 
pass on his other duties as assistant GM to be referee. I'm sure this was just more extra work for Craig and, you know, the media and the team had a lot of fun with it. And it just put a smile on everyone's faces here in Calgary this week. Yeah. I thought that that was really cool that he did that. And, you know, it switches it up a little bit and gets the front office involved. Yeah. And there was a fun moment uh, earlier this week where I think Craig made a call and he was getting it from both sides of the benches. There was one side saying, how is that a penalty? You're killing us here. And then there was another, you know, he got it from both Team Red and Team White. So uh, he learned what it's like to be a ref where, the, where there's really no winners and no losers. Yeah, so that was that was fun to see. I really liked that. And still ahead in the show, we've spent plenty of time discussing the Flames goaltending situation. But what about the Jets? We dive into Connor Hallebuck and more next. Locked on Flames with Jess Belmosto and Sean Lavery continues. So, so Jess, I think I'll start this if you don't yeah. mind. Um, I wanted to get into Hellebuck a little bit just because here in Calgary, everything is so unclear. Um, and Winnipeg seems to have the complete opposite problem where everything is crystal clear and it's going to be Connor Hellebuck who's their, their goalie. And um, we haven't talked a lot of Jets, so I thought we'd end the week by you know just getting a little bit into it just briefly. Um, while everything is super clear in Winnipeg with their goaltending situation, and Connor Hellebuck's obviously going to have a big influence on this series, regardless of how it plays out one way or another, I do think there are questions around Hellebuck, um, not necessarily by any of his own doing based on the way he played in camp or anything like that, but it's more of a question of with all these individual award winners or at least award nominees like Connor Hellebuck is where he's a nominee for the Vesna, the question is, does that season that he had in the regular season of 2019-20, does that carry over after four months off? Like, I guess, Jess, the question I'll ask you is, how intimidated are you that the Flames are going up against a Vesna finalist? Are you intimidated a lot, or are you intimidated a little because um, there was four months in between where no one was really playing? I am going to say that I am in between because just like everybody else, he had a break and it is a little difficult. I'm sure to, you know, get that momentum going again, but it, it, it is intimidating. It's a little scary. (laughs) Yeah. No, like, I mean, it's not, you know, we we would have loved that the flames were going up against someone else who might've had, you know, a poor season. Um, I just think that, everything is kind of starting from ground zero. It's like, it's like when you're cooking, you're not starting with leftovers anymore. Exactly. You're kind of starting, you just went to the grocery store and you just bought everything and you're kind of starting from scratch. So with, with these regular season award winners, you know, whether it be MVPs, leading goal scorers or Vesna nominees, um, I don't think it's necessarily going to be the same people having the same sort of impact in the playoffs. Now, granted, there's a very strong chance of that, like, you know, with Ovechkin being a goal leader, I'm sure, you know, there's obviously always a strong chance he's going to be the goal leader in the playoffs uh, this year. Um, But I don't think it's by any means guaranteed. Right. I I mean, just like we've said really all this week, that playing field is level. Like we're all, we're all starting at ground zero. (laughs) We all had the same four month break. Um, I mean, maybe some people didn't keep the whole, oh, yeah, I'm going to go back to play hockey in a few months right. thing in mind. And maybe some others did. I mean, you know, we saw a lot of the Flames players on their rollerblades and keeping up their speeds and doing their thing. But I'm not I'm not so sure what the Jets were doing. Yeah, well, I think a lot of the – there was that special roller 
blade brand that you know mimics hockey at least in some way and i think a lot of nhl teams ordered a pair of those skates for every player mm-hmm. so um i also think and we, this probably would have been a good topic to get into but you know goalies are at a, a disadvantage i think a lot in in that four-month layoff where i guess players if some are lucky enough to have you know a shooting pad and a net in their backyard they can get shots or yeah. if they have the rollerblades like sure they could skate a little it's not what you would prefer but you know at least it's something i think goalies were in a, a lot tougher situation so you know someone like hellebuck or riddick or talbot um they you know they missed having someone to shoot on them like the goalies <laughs> can't save tennis balls that they're throwing at themselves or whatever right, right. So, like what are you gonna do get your three-year-old kid to be like all right right shoot and throw these at me like, right what are you gonna do to Make sure you get those reps in, but it'll certainly be interesting. I hope that we do get to hear some stories about how the guys really around the league spent their unanticipated break. Yeah, I think there's like two sides of it. There's the guys who have kids and their lives would have been very busy because I'm sure the wives would have been happy that the guys are back and they can, (laughs) you know, all the wives who work so hard during the season get a bit of a break as they have someone to split all the uh, children duties with and then there's the side of the the young guys who, who probably don't have kids or wives or anything like that um i'm sure their breaks are probably a lot i guess less no busy relaxed. or less yeah exactly <laughs> oh my goodness so are you expecting any sort of kneeling or black lives matter protests like we've seen in the nba and really like in the last two days with baseball back i'm definitely expecting something um i i don't know if it's going to be a team by team or player by player situation where kind of different guys are taking different opportunities to do things but i think the league as a whole is definitely going to have something planned uh both in edmonton and toronto obviously um it would be a lot worse i believe for the league if they if they didn't do anything that wouldn't be a good look for them at all um the one thing I'll say, I guess, is if we just remove all the politics from the from the conversation and think about this logistically, hockey players are at a bit of a disadvantage as to where most of the team is on the bench during yeah. anthems or, or things like that, and there's only five or six guys on the ice. Um, so I'm not sure how kneeling would actually work on a bench, uh, but I believe the league will have, you know, whether they paint something on the ice, paste an ad on the board, or not an yeah. ad, but, you know, a statement on the boards, or, you know, release some sort of, you know, uh, video before every game or do, or do something like that. I think the league and, and teams have a lot of options um, and to do great things uh, with this moment. Um, I just don't know what the players could necessarily do. Like I'm, I'm sure the, the players can speak on it, you know, on off days right. with the media and they can make points as a lot of guys already have like Evander Kane and Joel Ward. And they're, they're obviously doing great work with their, with the time that they had off. Um, but like, like I said, simply from just logistics, um, I'm not sure, like the Yankees and the Nationals last night had a really gay, great visual of mm-hmm. every player and, and employee from both teams being on the field on one knee together. Um, That's awesome. I don't think hockey can pull off the same great visual, like just like no. I said, simply from a logistics standpoint. Um, but I'm definitely expecting something, like I said, whether it be from the league or, or teams. Definitely. And I, I really do think that... Um, you know, whether it be wearing a T-shirt into the arena or, you know, speaking up in post-game interviews and things like that, like, it will be it will be there in some way, shape, or form. From yeah, I, yeah, just because it's in Canada, right, doesn't mean right. um, it doesn't matter up here. So, uh, 
I, I definitely think there will be something and every little bit helps, like you said, whether it's a t-shirt or anything like that. And we've already seen a bunch of t-shirts yeah. uh, from teams like the Leafs. So um, I'm definitely expecting something because they'll have, they'll have a big stage. Like there'll be lots of people watching. Yes. So um, I wouldn't it's be around the clock hockey. <laughs> I would be a lot more surprised if I guess there was nothing as opposed to something. Definitely. So coming up next week, Sean and I will be joined by Harrison from Locked on Jets to have, we'll have a multi-day preview of the Flames play in round for you. So you will not be deprived of any content and you can follow us on Twitter over at Jess Belmosto and Sean underscore Labry. And be sure to subscribe and follow this podcast right now on your favorite podcast app and you'll get the latest episode of Locked on Flames as soon as it's available each and every day. Now, go check out uh, Locked on Oilers with Tom Gazzola ahead of the Flames exhibition game against the Oilers. And we'll catch you next time. All right. Thanks for today, Jess. Of course. Um,